It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know what I want. <laughs> Not Samsung, Greg. Not Samsung. No, I want a Okay, it's mailbag time. You have questions, I have answers. Thank you to everybody who asked. I put out a tweet saying, hey, I'll be gone for a little while. I'd like to do a mailbag before I leave. This is me doing it. So while you're listening to this, I am hopefully in Hobbiton in New Zealand. Fingers crossed. Okay, so the first question is from Kai. Kai French Fry on Twitter also a staff writer at Raptors Republic, and a good question. He says, do you think Jakob should be used in more delay actions to fill some of the playmaking void left by Fred's departure? This is a good question. Fred is leaving. There are possessions. What are the Raptors going to do with it? The good news is that Jakob has a very clear history of operating out of delay action. With the Spurs, it was actually the primary source of his assists. They also, Spurs, also ran this with Thad Young a lot too. And so they typically ran it with Doug McDermott as the the man coming off of the, the handoff, the delay as it were, and then you run the back cut typically off of it. The tough thing about running that with Jakob this upcoming year, and they did run some with him last season, uh, delay is about getting everybody out to the perimeter, spreading the defense out, and then typically using a non-shooting big as a hub in these two-man actions to make sure that the big has to step up too, and then that's advantageous because the rest of the floor is spaced out. The Raptors might not have the personnel on the floor at all times to dictate that there won't be other help side stuff, meaning that delay action won't be as advantageous. I guess we'll see, but the most important thing is that Yes, Jakob is capable of doing it. Some lineup constructions, they should be able to get away with that pretty easily. Other lineup constructions, I don't think it'll make a ton of sense. And they might focus more so on kind of stacking a weak side action in conjunction with something a little bit more um, pointed as far as like on the strong side, working on ball. So I guess that... uh, that's kind of where I'm at. From Catherine Ann Bird, which former Raptor in their early prime career, not just their stint with Toronto, would you most like to plop on the 2023-24 team? Bosch, Lowry, McGrady, Kawhi, Vince, DeMar, or Jose, and why? I mean, Kawhi. <laughs> I know I have this, this dream where Lowry, like prime Lowry, plays with prime Siakam. I know they... They they were close to getting that there, but Lowry was out of his prime. Siakam hadn't quite entered it. I know he made All-NBA, but he was a a meaningfully worse player in 2019-20 than he has been the last couple years. And and I know, obviously, McGrady in his prime is insane, one of the best scorers the league has ever seen. Vince is incredible. DeMar, Jose is a fun one. Actually, I'll I'll disqualify some people. Bosh, gone. The front court is already way too loaded. 
Um, and while Bosch is certainly an all NBA player, I think he only made it once in his prime um, third team. If I remember the last time I looked at basketball reference, he's not considered, although he's great and completely helped change how big men play defense. Uh, Jose is not in there, although he ran the second best offense in the NBA for a year and did so with a not super talented team. That's pretty cool. Damar, not in consideration. Also a guy, I, he's my favorite player of all time, but he wouldn't make a ton of sense on this team. So we're left with Lowry, McGrady, Kawhi, and Vince. Vince, I've seen. I didn't see it as much as I wish I could have. He wasn't on TV that much. I guess at least the channels I had as a kid out in Saskatchewan. But um, McGrady, Lowry, and Kawhi are certainly the most compelling. I think this Raptors team, I think they have a chance to be a top five defense this upcoming year. If you put Kawhi on this team, prime Kawhi, they would be a hellstorm. They, they, that might not be a championship team. Maybe some people think it would be, and that's fine too. But I think that defense would be really incredible to watch. Um, OG, Pascal, and Kawhi is madness. Absolute madness. So I, I would go with Kawhi. And I hope that um, that answer sates. From Baselines from Jay. Big shout out. I love this guy. Quote, this could be a big year for NBA rookies with Chet, Wemby, Scoot, and many others looking like they will be given chances in featured roles. Which have the best chance at being at or near the top of the opposition team's scouting list? Who might get official accolades beyond Rookie of the Year? So I don't think anyone will make an all-defense team. I don't think anyone will make, you know, an all-star game or anything like that. I know there's some expectation for Wembenyama. I don't think the team is good enough around Wembenyama to really supply him with the offensive possessions he needs. I think he will be really good defensively, but I don't think he'll get recognition via like an an award or an accolade or anything like that but i think you will have really strong impact chet i think will have a really good year as well i think there there will be some game planning for offenses around wemby at the rim and you'll see teams probably shoot less at the rim and will be less you know less eager to head into the paint with the seven foot four guy with like the seven nine wingspan standing in there but i think scoot given his pick and roll prowess and the fact that he runs it at a bunch of different speeds and he makes a ton of different styles and types of plays out of the pick and roll. I think that he has the best chance for teams to look at him, how they should defend him coming into the season. And, you know, Portland, I wonder what happens with Dame, of course, but they have tertiary players who can help him in that regard. And I think Scoot probably has the best chance of being game planned for. And I think Chet, he's kind of a forgotten man. He shouldn't be. I think he'll have a big year. But all three of those guys and many others, as you said, I think it's a really exciting year for young prospects. Summer League was popping when I went. It's the first time they ever sold out. They sold out two days, mostly the Wemby thing, of course. But there was a bunch of other stuff, fun stuff happening there. Oh, yeah. Grady Dick, of course, MVP. That's the accolade, I'm sure. From... Poets against Cop City, quote, with the roster construction as it is, provided nothing changes, the potential downsides are clear, but is there any one player who could potentially benefit versus last year or help if they weren't here last year? And if so, who is it and how might they contribute more to the team? I think that the moment Fred Van Vliet left, it opened up this avenue for Gary Trent Jr. to provide quite a bit more this upcoming season than he did last season. 
And I think he made really good steps from year one with the Raptors. Well, he had kind of what, like 15 games with the Raptors at the back end of the Tampa season. But let's say year one with the Raptors, 2021-22 to 2022-23. As far as play style, I think that he made way better decisions when he was on the floor. Reflected in that is his two-point percentage. A lot of his shot making was in this, you know, it's hard to replicate how good his shot making was. His off the dribble stuff, he was competing with guys as far as efficiency, like Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, guys like that in the mid-range. And his pull-up stuff was at a level that I didn't think was sustainable. It wasn't as good last season, but his overall efficiency, he managed to maintain it by making better decisions off ball, using an extra dribble to get downhill, a little bit more of getting to the free throw line and the half court, um, better decisions in transition, although that's still like maybe a little bit poor on his end. That stuff has been super important for him. And he also pairs extremely well with Scotty working out of two-man actions. I suspect he'll have a good year working with Jakob. There could be stuff with Pascal, of course, and he's going to spot up and have a lot of opportunities to finish plays above the break and from the corner as a shooter. That's like the road is paved for Gary to, I know like he opted in, he wanted to be this past summer opting out and getting like that big fat contract. At the start of the year, the rumors were he was trying to head out onto the market and get like four years, 100 million, 25 per. He had to take 18. He wants to come back, get a little bit more usage, obviously, and have an opportunity to make more reads as a playmaker. The shots are going to fall in his lap, of course. The Raptors are going to have to run non-traditional pick and roll, like non-traditional handoff basketball instead of pick and roll. That benefits Gary. A lot of this stuff trends towards Gary getting the ball and you know shots falling into his hands. So I think he's in a position where he can contribute a lot more next year. And the Raptors' defense being behind him, a lot of size, quickness and length it's going to incubate him a little bit more it's going to make his gambles a little bit more friendly like if he gets them wrong there's more protection and length against rotation back there as far as being kind of a pest on ball they're going to ask him to do more of that my expectation is that Gary is the guy who um he's definitely you know could benefit versus last year I think that Gary is a guy who benefits a ton from this new Raptors context. And he was already benefiting from the Raptors context prior to the Jakob trade a decent bit. And I think this um, this roster construction makes a lot of sense for Gary to have a big year. Um, I don't know how that affects, you know, extension talks going into the future, how, how that might work out, but I think he'll, he'll have a good year. From Nesta's boss, quote, what are your thoughts about why Darko will implement with the current roster as constructed? Summer League didn't show much about what the staff will run, so any insider thoughts? Um, ready to see an actual system and not the Nick Nurse Jazz style system. I think that, um, you know, we talked about, we did a big episode, myself, Trey and Caitlin Cooper, talking about the offense, what they will struggle to do and what they're most likely going to do. And so I know there's some people who responded back to that saying like, you don't know what the Raptors are going to do. You know, why would you be pessimistic? You don't even know what the offense will look like. But I don't mean to be like a, you know, arrogant here. There's enough overlap in regular offenses, even in the Raptors offense that was stagnant, the the improvisational jazz style versus like the Suns. 
even in those completely different offenses, there's still like 60% play overlap. You can expect to see a lot of, like there's NBA offenses do things differently, of course, but they also do a lot of things the same. So like at least 50% of what a team is going to run, everyone will be pretty aware of what that action looks like, what they're trying to do, where you're trying to get the advantage from. Sometimes it's on a mismatch. We saw a lot of that with the Raptors. With the Suns, for example, and like Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Michael Bridges, it's like running a ton of Spain pick and roll or Spain leak. And with DeAndre Ayton, it's like, okay, so what are they trying to do here? They're trying to get their pull-up shooters into space or downhill where they can make laydowns. Where's the advantage coming from? Screening. How do these guys manipulate the screen? How do they use the ball in those kind of situations? We know that the Raptors are going to run a ton of dribble handoff sets. Why do we know this? Because of the personnel on the roster. Why do we know this? Because teams run, regardless of who's on the roster too, a lot of dribble handoff sets. What have we seen in the past? A lot of Gary doing well in dribble handoff sets. What have we seen in the past? OG struggling a little bit when he's on ball. You know, Scotty doing really well on, like, as far as the screener with the ball. We've seen Pascal be pretty wormy getting downhill, working off of good handoffs and stuff like that. So, and, and Jakob has been a handoff hub in the past. We can reflect on all this kind of stuff and we can look at the known and say, it's probably not going to be great in the half court, but there's some unknown. And that is what I don't know. The known stuff has been talked about for about like an hour and 10 minutes by myself, Trey and Caitlin. Um, and we do our best to forecast what that might look like and how the Raptors might try to game plan around that. Um, but there are some unknown. There's going to be some sideline out of bounds stuff. There's going to be some baseline out of bounds stuff, some set plays that I won't recognize that I'll have to get familiar with. And that stuff, I haven't talked to Darko about that. I have no inkling or idea, but that is a great question. Um, truly fantastic. From Blinky, Samson, be for real with me. Do you see a Pascal trade? And another question is, do you think Grady will be able to be a good shooter in his first year? A Pascal trade is a possibility. I'm, the, the conversations have been had. The Raptors have been willing to discuss those conversations. Other teams have been engaged trying to get Pascal. There's interest on both sides. Um, the Raptors, yes, they, they have been, if the offer is good, trying to trade Pascal. It's probably easier to get Pascal now than it has been in the past. Um, there's more willingness there. Does that mean it'll happen? Not necessarily, but I think that like it's a possibility. That's me being for real with you. And do I think Grady will be able to be a good shooter in his first year? I think so. Not elite because there's going to be some physicality and stuff he has to get used to, but I think he will be a good shooter. It would surprise me if he came in at less than like 37% um, from three. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. From Fred Van, from at don't be offended one, is Scott Barnes the best non-guard passer in the NBA outside of Jokic and LeBron? Hmm. I think that Scotty is one of the best passers in the NBA, just pure passing skill. Um, he's not one of the best playmakers yet because he doesn't break down the defense enough to create advantages for others. Like Demonis Sabonis is a better playmaker than Scotty Barnes because Demonis Sabonis is a better screener and has more gravity as a scorer. And so, you know, you can build kind of a, a larger hub out of it. Maybe Scotty will be able to do that next season or like the year after that. I'm not sure. Probably not. The screening is really important and 
Sabonis is really far ahead of him in that regard. But as far as like passing talent, making reads, stuff like that, um, I if somebody asked me like, do I think Scotty's one of the ten most skilled passers in the NBA? I think like passing talent, yes, that's the whole crux of that massive article where I looked at every pass he made and to see you know advantage assists, how many of them he had, of which he had a very high ratio. Um, I'll put that in the bio if anybody wants to read it. Um, I think that he's an extremely talented passer. The best non-guard passer in the NBA outside of Jokic and LeBron. Hmm. Let me go look at the assist leaders. Hmm. So it depends if you consider Luka a guard or a forward. I think that Luka is a better passer than Scotty. That's not a slight, obviously. But a lot of the guys on this list that you would label as better passers, they're they're guards. Um, a guy like Draymond Green, you could probably make the case that Draymond is a better passer um, than than Scotty. But how long? How much longer does that last? Right. Uh, you could probably make the case that Josh Giddy is a comparable passer to Scotty as well. But outside of that, man. Yeah, like Jimmy Butler, I love the reads he makes. I think he's a really brilliant passer and playmaker, but just like passing. Um, if we're going to be very specific and just call passing, I would say, yeah, it's like LeBron, Jokic, Scotty, and then LeBron and Jokic are the tier. And then there's like that that second tier of, I guess, bigger guys are like Giddy, Scotty, and Draymond. Um, other guys will emerge, I'm sure. They have to develop it out, but yeah. I think he he's way up there for sure. But just let me say, like that's passing, not playmaking as a whole. If it's playmaking as a whole, Scotty isn't close yet. Um, but he's a brilliant, brilliant passer. From Postmarnista, quote, why do you think Otto Porter Jr. has been extremely silent since his injury, surgery, and recovery? I think he's a pretty quiet guy. Like even when he had the baby last year, that was media knew like a decent amount before and like it was kind of known but he's a pretty private guy he wants his life to be his life and like the NBA is the NBA and it's work and all that kind of stuff so I think that's it I don't think it's hinting at any you know malcontent or anything like that I think it's just some players keep their personal life their workout like just because you don't post the workout doesn't mean you're not working out just because you're not like in the gym wearing the Raptors tee and you're not doing all that kind of stuff or with the team at summer league, it doesn't mean, you know, there's any malcontent or anything like that. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of where I sit on it. He's just a, a pretty private guy from NDT or sorry, ND talks ball quote, where are you in terms of precious stock? You see a world where he's a starting five. I do think that's a possibility, a starting front court position. Maybe it's not with the Raptors down the road, but I, I'm still holding the precious stock. I think that there is all-star upside there. Now, some people might think I'm crazy, but I'll tell you what, I'm still holding on the, the potential. He's such a good athlete. His finishing has come around a ton. Like it, he, when he improves, it's rapidly. And all it has to do is hold and be consistent. And then like, he's good at a bunch of things. Um, it's not the, friendliest context for him on this Raptors team now because the front court is so loaded. Um, but I guess we'll see. But I'm I'm big on Precious still. I quite like Precious. From Nasimali, 
quote, would you shorten your shooting range by about five feet if it meant you could stick your arm in the rim, end quote. Yeah, my shooting range, hey, I can shoot from five, be- five feet behind the line. That's a piece of cake. I know people were poking fun because there's that video of the Raptors Republic guys at Summer League saying we we're bums. What? Because I missed the first NBA three-pointer I took. I hit the next one, one of two. Both off the dribble, step backs, 50%. I'm James Harden out there, man. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, I'd love to be able to stick my arm in the rim. I used to be able to dunk. I haven't dunked since the pandemic. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. Bad news. Um, I'd love to be able to stick my arm in the rim. That'd be great, man. Uh, I'd, I'd give up five feet of shooting range for that in a heartbeat, dude. For sure. Um, from <laughs> From Adam, are you still coming to my birthday party? No, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I wish I could, but I won't be around. From Billy Thompson, quote, do you have any takes about the FIBA World Cup? Who are you excited to watch? Which teams do you think are favorites? I think that the United States are always the favorite. I think that Canada rocks. I think that you should be reading as much Jonathan Chen as you possibly can because he's so good at covering the Canadian basketball the team and just Canada basketball in general. And basically watching a backcourt of like Jamal Murray and Shea Gilgis Alexander excites me to an unbelievable degree. Both those guys are some of my favorite players to watch. It'll be tough to figure out like, you know, the front court situation. That's some countries develop guards, some countries develop wings, some countries develop bigs, and very few countries develop them all. The United States are like the only country that has a claim to fame of like they'll have an all-star at every, you know, guard, front court, wing. They'll have an all-star at every single one of them. But they should be the favorite, but they're beatable this year for sure. And Canada? I mean, hell yeah. I think why why not? Wouldn't that be fun? Um, And then another question regarding this from those guys. Sports, quote, is it too late to ask a question? Hope not. Hope you have fun on your trip. Will we get a react pod once the surprise Dame trade to Toronto happens? Actual question. If Wiggins was on this Canadian team, how would you like the chances to win it? Their chances would be better. I like their chances to win it now. Like I like them because they're better than it has been in the past. But if Wiggins was there on the wing and you could even play him up at like the four, um, I don't know if they'd get freaky enough for a five, especially for kind of how FIBA basketball is played. But uh, I would like them. Sure. Like why not? Right. Um, Dame, uh, the React Pod firmly in the hands of Trey. Uh, I've done a lot of work with Trey. He's the best. We've sorted it out. If he wants to podcast while I'm gone, he's got the keys. The car is in the driveway, and he just has to step out the door, turn on the engine if he wants it. So uh, you'll have to ask Trey about that specifically. From Tyler Bloomfield, quote. What are reasonable expectations for Darko's first year as an NBA coach? What benchmarks or indicators would you be looking for to assess his success? And same questions for Grady Dick. So for Grady is an easier one. Uh, If he goes north of 20 minutes per game, huge win. If he's getting up a lot of threes, huge win. That's basically all I'm looking for. He's a little things king. He nails a lot of the in-between game. And if he's sticking on the floor and playing a lot of minutes, I think that means that he's hitting his shots. I want to see a lot of shots go up. I want to see like, and I want to see him out on the court. 
that's the only way you're going to figure out some of these things that are kind of like question marks about his game. Darko, benchmarks. I want to see him... I would like to see Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes both lower their unassisted attempts at the rim. And if that happens, I think it means that the machinations of the offense are giving them more looks at the rim rather than those guys having to create them off the bounce. And if you're looking to like see if a guy's a star and you're looking to see if a guy's fantastic and they have a really high unassisted percentage at the rim, that's great because creating looks at the rim by yourself is fantastic. Guess what? Pascal already does that like a ton. We know he can do it. He does it too much given his skill set and given how much teams pack the paint on him. So if he has a lot more unassisted looks at the rim, I think that that's great. And if Scotty does too, I think that that's great. That has to be part of like the bread and butter of this offense going forward is like cuts to the rim, bludgeoning teams at, on the glass, getting in close proximity and letting your size in the middle of the lineup do a lot of work there um, because you're not going to shoot with other teams. Like from the three, the four, the five, you average out the shooting across those three positions. The Raptors, they're, they're not in the league of quite a few teams between Pascal, Jakob, and, and Scotty. So if these guys are getting to the rim assisted, I think that they're doing a great job of like a bunch of high-low stuff, working off of split actions, and um, just like being able to feed each other on cuts. Maybe it's like a Corey cut. Maybe it's a 45. Maybe it's a Wade. But I think that would be a really great indicator for Darko. The wins and losses, I mean, I, I don't really care about that. Uh, I just think that would be a really cool thing if Darko was able to design an offense wherein that was the case. Okay. Do I exfoliate from Nomad Creatives? Yes. One second. Okay, I've got all my stuff. This is what I exfoliate with. It's a Vino Positively Radiant uh, Brightening Scrub. Uh, it's very important to have good skin, I think. People like it. It's nice. So I use that. And then uh, there's this uh, Positively Radiant Daily Moisturizer. My little sister told me to use this. It's been really great. It's SPF 15, if that matters, and all skin types. And it's tone correcting soy. I don't know what any of this means, but my sister recommended it. She had really good skin, so I just trusted that. And then I have this Calm Plus Restore Triple Oat Serum. And this is really great. This like freshens my face. Um, I don't know what it does. I don't know if it's a, what's a placebo or anything like that. But I find that my skin seems to be in decent shape. So that's my process. This isn't the first time I've been asked this, by the way. So you know what? I think this means I have good skin. In which case, thank you. Um, not really basketball talk. <laughs> From South Central M95, quote, what are your thoughts on Javon Freeman Liberty? Does he have a chance at consistent NBA minutes similar to Jeff Doughton last season? I think he does have a chance. I think he's one of the better guards in the G League. I think that if the shooting stabilizes from G League to the NBA. He's really quick on the first step. He has a, you know, there's a lot of utility in his handle and he's rapid quick and rapid quick guy who can get downhill, who shoots it. Um, there's room for that on the Raptors, maybe just in spot minutes. Uh, the Raptors, I don't think are a team that, you know, they don't have much room for a guy to like take off. Typically, those are the teams that are a little bit thinner 
um, and are kind of playing more like heliocentric basketball. But I think Javon, of the of the guys, the two ways, I think he has the best shot, to be quite honest with you. From O. McConnor, quote, over or, or, over or under 45 wins. I'm going under. I hope that's okay. I've explained why in a bunch of different other places, but I think that the offense is going to be in a really, really tough place. And the defense, I hope, is in a really, really good place. And I hope that they get on transition a bunch. I hope that everything goes really well. But if I had to pick over or under 45 wins, uh, I'm going to go under. And if I'm wrong, hell yeah. If this team figures out how to win more than 45 games, I think they're playing fantastic basketball, the guys on the roster. I think they're doing a ton of stuff extremely well. And I would love to watch that and talk about why it's happening and how it's happening and break all that kind of stuff down. I think that would be awesome. That's uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. From Velocity Dimes, thoughts on Precious's development? Progressed from three, worse defensively, but better finishing and from the line, which are usually better indicators long-term. So the finishing, absolutely. The free throw line stuff, I've the scouts nowadays, they don't consider it like a, a an excellent indicator. People used to is like if you shot the free throw well, it meant you were gonna be able to like step out and hit threes and all that kind of stuff, especially with big men. Um Brooke Lopez maybe proved like, hey, this can work sometimes, but Brooke Lopez is almost as unique as Pascal Siakam as far as like developing their games while in the in the NBA. He's very underrated in that regard. His like late career renaissance is awesome. Uh, as far as Precious, I think that his development stagnated last season. I think that he got caught in like the hubbub of the Raptors not really being sure of what style of basketball they wanted to play. There were divergent thoughts on it. He had a trouble adjusting to his role and his role kept changing. But I still, as I answered that question earlier, I'm still very high on him just in general. For a guy who could be as low as the the 10th man on this roster or as high as like the 7th or 6th, probably 7th given their lack of guards, um, To for me to say that that guy has all-star potential, I think like I'm really into Precious and I'm a believer still. I, th- I think his development is, as I said earlier, it comes rapidly and you're like, how the hell did you improve so quickly? And then sometimes it'll go away and you're like, damn, you're having trouble inputting yourself into this game and and making an impact. And a guy that athletic and that gifted shouldn't have as much trouble finding his way to impact as he does. I just hope he figures it out. I think he's great. From Amina underscore Poco, quote, Sixers fans believe Nick Nurse will fix their offensive stagnancy. What are your thoughts on this? Personally, I believe Nurse and Doc are two sides of the same coin, both only as successful as their best player is good with early career reputations based on winning a title with stacked teams. Nurse is obviously in the early stages of his Doc Riverdom. Hmm. If the Sixers believe their offense is stagnant, I don't think Nick Nurse fixes that. Nick Nurse will go to the advantage, as you say, of his best player. He will work towards that. And I've used this term to describe Nick describe Nick before, but when he was called like an offensive masterminded genius, uh, I used this term quite early on, but he's a Kyle Lowry merchant as far as offense goes. Like I know he's had a big, long storied coaching career across different continents 
and he's done like a very good job. He's a championship winning coach. And, you know, while the potential, the actual impact of his coaching can be argued and all that kind of stuff, I do think he benefited greatly from, you know, having Kyle Lowry sort everything out on the floor because Kyle Lowry is over the past, you know, 10 years, one of the best to be sorting things out on the floor and making sure that offense runs properly. Under different coaches across different timelines, um, what Kyle Lowry did is make sure that the Raptors ran one of the most efficient offenses every time he's there, where they got a lot of looks at the rim, assisted looks, where they got a lot of really great looks from three, and where they run like a dream in transition. And that wasn't so much Nick Nurse in 2019-20 and 2018-19. That was Kyle Lowry. So I don't think that Nurse will be a genius who fixes their offensive stagnancy. I, uh, But that doesn't mean he will be a bad coach for them this year or anything like that. But I'm not uh, super, super high on that. From Blake Murphy, quote, all the questions should be about your August absence. And whenever anyone else does an August pod, they should be investigating your absence. Hey, you've got the radio show, brother. You five days a week, Jay's Talk Plus. Give me a segment where you, you wonder and ponder on my, my whereabouts. Anybody who wants to engage in this uh, for brand awareness, this would actually be really good. Um, yes, please talk about me all the time while I'm gone or while I'm present. Only good things, though. Please and thank you. Last question from Isfandiar Barahaney. Would you rather be locked in a cage with a Komodo dragon, 50 tarantulas, or a 12-foot venomous snake? I have told a story way years ago, back when Blake and I were doing an episode of the podcast, about my interaction with a tarantula. Not a pet tarantula, a tarantula in my house. If anybody wants to go try and find that, feel free. I won't tell it here. I would take... The 50 tarantulas, the 12 foot venomous snake. I feel like that's bad news. He's going to bite me with his venom. I can't escape him. I know like I'm supposed to get into the semantics and ask you how big the cage is and all that kind of stuff. I get it. But this seems like fairly intuitive to me. I've also watched the nature docs, you know, David Attenborough talking in the background where the Komodo dragons like attack each other and you see their claws. They also spit venom, don't they? That all seems like terrible. And I'm pretty sure tarantulas wouldn't do anything to me. Like it would suck. I don't like being around tarantulas. It's not something that's not what I want. But how long am I locked in the cage? Do I have to like kill and then leave the cage? How do I get out of this situation? But regardless, no matter when it ends, if it's like, you know, 20 minutes in the cage, or you kill everything and then you leave, whatever it is, it's the tarantulas. I think that's the answer that makes sense to me anyway. Thank you to everybody for listening. I am your mailman, Samson. I'm going on a trip. Thank you for listening to these backlogged podcasts, which I hope to God aren't made, you know, completely pointless for because of a trade or something like that. That would be bad news. I'll still be writing while I'm away. But yeah, first and foremost, thank you to everybody for listening to my podcast this year, for indulging my writing and a lot of you guys paying for it. It is so meaningful to have your work paid for, especially when, you know, it's labor. I thank you, the people who respect that. I pay for people's stuff that I want online. 
I pay and when you're not online, you pay for you don't get anything for free. You pay for it. I pay people for their work and I thank the people who pay for mine. It's awesome with this vacation type thing. I guess this is kind of like the signal of the end of my first season covering the Raptors, I suppose. What a what a year, even though it wasn't the best as far as like the Raptors side of things. Certainly not. Um, I enjoyed myself a bunch. I got to meet a lot of readers and listeners over the course of the season. People said hi on the street. People said hi on planes. People said hi everywhere. God, I got recognized doing groceries and just that's nice. People are just like, hey, I read your work. That's great. We sold out Rivoli and did a live podcast. We had a bunch of people come to the draft party. We did a subscription model and people signed up and hell yeah that's all a guy could ask for and i got to cover the raptors and talk to players and coaches and that whole deal was awesome so thank you so much to everybody y'all are the best and also big thank you to trey the weekly podcast format radically changed because of his presence and radically improved in my opinion he is i i love being able to podcast with him as often as we have been what a guy just the best And all you listening, viewing, the best, the best. Okay, I'm out of here. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in. And whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.